All right, welcome back in another edition of the damn podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. In studio today, by the way. Yeah, tra- bear, I dealt with traffic. I know. It doesn't and... always happen because, look, you and I, we, we live far apart and we got different schedules. Our kids are at different ages and we, sometimes we're on the phone, sometimes you're in studio. But it's good to have you in studio today because not only are we going to talk about the Oregon State game, and I'd prefer to talk to somebody in person more than the phone, um, we also have Gina Mizell going to join our podcast today. Sweet. So Sweet. it's a I little know, bit You know, of they a... say media people don't get along and that there's... <laughs> Dude, Gina's awesome. She's fun. Yeah. We always do our, like, you know, the workout, her and I go work out with yeah, the Yeah, I love and, those videos yeah. that you guys were doing. Yeah. Um, and I, there's only, like, a couple I really don't care for, but I don't hate any media members. i perfectly okay working with people. And they do a podcast for The Oregonian. So it'd be nice to get the the collision course here on the damn yeah. podcast. No, that'll be fun. So Gina will join us a little later on uh, in the pod, but um, yeah, I don't I don't know about you. you. You'd have to speak for Blitz, but I can just tell you for 1080 the fan doing the shows all week thus far, and being on Twitter. Not only was I as a fan angry, but. I don't think the fan pay, the fan base is at ap- apathy yet. I and clearly they're not happy or excited right now. They're at anger, and anger is a very it's a tough place to be from a fan perspective. But I think right now, based on what we saw in that second half against Minnesota, a lot like we did against Colorado State and barely beating Portland State heading into conference play. I think it's 100% warranted. What is the reaction? Because the fan listener that's a beaver is angry. What is it right now for Blitz? Blitz same thing. And, you know, honestly, if I'm Oregon State, and I know the coaches probably hate, you know, the, the angry fan, and but if I'm Oregon State and I'm the coaching staff, I would rather have my fans angry at this point, the way the team has, has looked, than apathetic. Because when they stop caring... You've lost them all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's lots of good discussions about, you know, what you would do. You know, I I posted posed the question today on Blitz. You're Coach Anderson heading into the bye week next week. What are your steps? You're the CEO of the program. What do you do? What do they get blown out against Wazoo? Yeah, just regardless. I think you have to make a move. Um, I don't. Here's the thing. That's tough. Like when I say you think you have to make a move, I don't think you make a crazy move. Like Clune McGiven is a hot topic for people. It's a very hot topic. I just don't. Can you really four games in fire your coordinator? To me, if you do, and I get that the expectation of a bowl game was there and they've looked like absolute dog ass, but four games in, to me, is you screaming you didn't trust them going into the year. And I know that sounds kind of stupid given how bad they've played, but I still feel that way. Um, You fire a lead coordinator like that. You're just you are telling me there's a part of you that did not trust that going into the year because as bad as it's been, I still think that's I mean that's a that's a 30 year season right, and I don't I don't know if I like that move that early. Now if you want to head to roll somewhere else, offensive line doesn't look good. Like I don't want to I don't want to individually yeah, call yeah. out a name, but I think I think you think about a head rolling at that point because if they lose. I think- you have to look at the team, though. And, you know, I, I think this is where you know Coach Anderson has that leadership council where he has some guys on the team that you know kind of they meet weekly, and I, I think that comes into play because we're seeing a team that has zero fight when oh, they, they come quit. out of the, they totally quit coming out of the second half. So, being the CEO, Anderson needs to find out what is going on. You know, he last week he moved Coach Clune and Coach Rushing upstairs. You know, and he he made a comment about Coach Clune needing to clear his head. Which I thought was that was last Thursday he made that comment, which I thought was a little bizarre. They brought Coach Hall down to the sideline, who you know by all accounts gets along really well with the players. Um, I, I know Coach Clune can be yelling, you know, yell a lot, so maybe Hall takes the the brunt of that. All we can practice, we have seen Coach Anderson like shadowing Hall or uh, Coach Clune. Really? We, yeah. So that's um, not a good sign. And he's also been in all the meetings. I'm with you, though. You know, is it, is there some issue with, with Coach Clune and the players? Is it just, um, you know, I'm not saying he needs to be fired, but at some point something has to happen. Frankly, I am more upset with the play of the offensive line. Oh, than anything else? Yeah. yeah I mean, look, we're, we have a – we got a while to get into a lot yeah, of this yeah. of really where the anger lies. And I think with this team there's, there's a lot of different places the anger could lie. But here's the thing. It doesn't have to be a firing. Mm-mm. 
But it could be like, a, hey, why don't you go back to doing a different scheme? You know, like what they're doing just not working. It's not working. And, and exactly. I, I keep telling people, and I, again, I talk to people that play football, and you know, sometimes they think us media types that just get into this because we love it and we're passionate, we give opinions. Oh, you guys overreact. You overreact. You overreact. Well, okay, I, I get that, and I do. I absolutely mm-hmm. do. I'm human. But I also know enough about football to say your offensive and defensive lines are absolute garbage. That's not something that just gets changed. People keep telling me, what happened last year? Look what happened last year. They turned the corner. You know why they turned the corner? Because they played two of the worst defenses in the country. Well, that's (laughs) the biggest thing, um, first of all. But the second part is their offensive line got better because they brought a, a senior back who they thought was going to redshirt. Yeah. Where's a Sean Harlow off the bench? And, and you know what, Sean Harlow, and I think I talked about this last week, and it was funny because I, I talked to some people this weekend at the tailgate before the game. It's the nasty that Sean, Har- Sean Harlow brought. Sean Harlow, the change that that line saw because of him is because he played nasty. And I've talked to players' parents who flat out said, this team is not playing nasty. Mm-hmm. And they don't play dirty. There's a difference between dirty and nasty. They just need to play hard, play nasty, have a little swagger, have a little pride. Well, I, I mean, I've mentioned the swagger before. Like, I didn't see it at Portland State. I don't feel like I saw it much at Minnesota. Uh, I don't know what it is. I can't, I can't put a thumb on it, and I think that's the frustrating part for people is nobody, some people closer to this program than others, nobody can really identify what truly the problem is. And to me, it's not scheme. There's something lingering. There's something going on within the program that we're not aware of or we just we haven't guessed it. I don't know what it is. Doesn't it feel like there's something bigger that's, yeah, oh, that's wrong? Completely. Because you can't just tell me that suddenly this team went from being so competitive and bringing back a decent amount of these players to dropping off the face of the earth and looking like maybe one of the bottom six worst teams in the country. No, it, it, exactly. I mean, they didn't lose that many guys. And to look like they don't even care if they're there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that about all of them, because there's a lot that are still, you know, gosh, David Morris, was. I mean, Manasseh Hangalu. There's a lot of guys that are 100% in and doing, working hard every single play. But the looks of things, at least from, you know, the TV or from the press box or on the sidelines, is there's a lot of guys that look like they've checked out. Well, what is... Villeman said this. He said this after the game against Minnesota. He said there are guys that this season go into the second half and have quit. Yeah. Like, they don't want to play the second half. And I just... I looked back at this. So, the Portland State game, throw that out. They won it. You've only collectively been down by a combined 10 points in your two games at the half. Why would that even exist? Exactly. You you got screwed on a touchdown against Colorado State. Should have been tied, not down. You should still go into the second half fired up, fired like we up. got screwed. Yeah. Forget this, and then your Minnesota game, you're down six, and albeit that felt like a bigger six points to me based on what I had seen the previous two weeks, you were still only down six. You shouldn't and you're come at out. Home. Yes, and you're at home, and you shouldn't be coming out going. Oh, I don't want to play. It's like at, the competitive juices have to kick in. Yeah, they just have to, and they're not. It just not. That's the weird thing about yeah. this team. That's, that's very why, un-Gary Anderson-like. Exactly. And that's why it feels like something is amiss that we don't, that, you know, people outside the locker room are not aware of. Well, and they, Anderson said 60-40 is what he wanted to run past this year, and, and they haven't done that at all. The numbers go completely the opposite way. Um, I, I'm a little surprised at the offense. I, I don't know about you. I just, I've been surprised. Colorado State, I thought they opened it up with some passing, and I said, hey, Okay, I like that. And then you get back to the run, and they just kept passing. And Portland State, they couldn't run. And now with the Minnesota game, they pass, 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 can't run at all. I mean, Art Pierce got eight carries. Nall had seven. Tyner's not playing. I I don't know where they're going with the system. all, All I know is I sat in the press box this last weekend. And watching that offense, I had these, like, flash. It, it felt like Riley was – it was like a Riley team. In what way? The path, the inability to pass and become one – they became one-dimensional. Like predictability? Predictability, everything. They had no identity. And I know we laughed about Riley always saying that he was waiting for his teams to find identity. Mm-hmm. But um, – you know, Anderson came in when he was hired in December of 14 at his press conference. I remember making note of this because it was so out of what Beavers had seen the previous 10 plus years. He wanted a quarterback that could beat you with his arms, his arm, his legs, and his mind. He is diverted from that completely. 
Luton is not going to to you know run on you. Which I love, by the way. He still does a read option. Yeah, but, but but he's we know not he's a not threat. Rowing, yeah. I mean, if he's going to run, we know he's not running. He, he's running sideline to sideline yeah, to avoid yeah. a sack. I mean, so he's not <laughs> a threat. What's the point there. of that play? Yeah, it, it, to me, it, that's worthless. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather almost see a Garrettson in there that is a threat to run um, because Luton's not passing well either. So I don't know. It's it's a very I. I I worry that Coach Anderson has been too impatient in this whole process and has been trying to change things up, change things up, and has not let things play well, out. take last year. I think last year's a good example uh, of what you're kind of alluding to there. So last year, they're they're losing, they're getting their butts kicked slash close in some... Like last year, they're up 21 points on Wazoo, right? And they lose that, that lead. When, when he came on with Isaac and Suk and he made that comment of the air raid, and I was like, whoa, he's, mis- he's mentioning another offense and he likes it. I think that's an example where he kind of got caught up, it seemed like, in what other teams were doing. And because he wasn't winning his style, it was like, oh, maybe we have, we're better suited to do this. And I kind of bought into that for some oh, reason. Oh, everybody thought he was going to go air. And, and he kept saying, nope, nope, we're not doing air raid. Yeah. Not doing air, but it's looking a lot more like air raid than... Than the well, ground than assault, the ground right? Assault. Isn't that what he called it? Ground assault. Was, I was just surprised that he was willing to do that mid-season given how close they were against so many decent and good programs. And that's why everybody's freaking out now and panicking because they're not even close. No, they've gone completely the other way. They're going back to what they were his first year, Mm -hmm. Um, which leads leads to some questions about where you're at long term. And I I said this, I've said this this week, and and I'm curious your two thoughts. Um, I've seen a lot of people say, it's this, it's this, it's that. It's that. And there's also a lot of Beaver fans that are dumbfounded. Mm -hmm. I was really trying to pinpoint how I think personally they got here. And it's pretty simple for me. One, you lost a couple pretty quality freaking coaches. Two, this is the big one. This is what I've really harped on. You go look at the recruiting and the first year, you get a pass. Like you came in late, whatever. Last year, okay, you got David Morris. He was a good player. Hodgins was a good get. But I'll give you three names. I'll give you just three names. Isaac Garcia, Mason Moran, and Christian Wallace. Right? Two of those are a four-star. And Isaac was a five, wasn't he? Or was he a four? Isaac. Garcia. No, he was a a four-star. He's a four-star. So two of those are four, and Moran was a three, but an incredible athlete with a good reputation coming out. Yes. None of those three have made an impact. One of those was supposed to be a future uh, quarterback of your program. Another one was supposed to be this dynamic athlete. We haven't seen the other one transferred. So I know like, you could give me more names than that or more examples, but I just use that in my mind. And by the way, Craig Evans haven't seen him yet. We don't know the status of him. Um, we can just, I think we can look at, and it all comes back to recruiting with where they're at. They don't have the horses up front on either side of the ball. And for me, Coaching matters a ton, but the part of coaching college that is special is you're able to recruit and where you're at with that because recruits matter. Whereas in Utah State, you can get by and be okay in that conference. Coaching will matter more. Wisconsin recruits itself. You don't have to sell Wisconsin. It writes itself. Oregon State's different, and I feel like thus far it all comes back to the way they've recruited and the players they have or have not gotten. 100%. But you know, I mean, I harp on recruiting all the time. So this this brings me to something that I thought about. And you're right. So Garcia left. He was recruited by Sataki um, to play more of in a 4-3, you know, because Sataki was 3-4, but he wanted to mix in the 4-3 as well. Um, Moran, quarterback, on, you know, he was overwhelmed, came in early. Um, honestly, fall, he didn't look good. He didn't look good at all. He got his mechanics off, went home, worked hard, came back being told he was going to get a shot and didn't get a rep and all now spring. he's a defensive player and then now they've moved him to safety mm-hmm. and again he's too athletic to play quarterback or to sit on the bench and hold a clipboard so they move him to dbs but we haven't seen him at all mm-hmm. so and, and at a position that arguably is having major trouble at safety i, I mean yeah that's um, a huge part. wallace is one you know they he was a a, rece- uh, a running back and i hear wallace all the time and i hate to talk you know throw kids under the bus but he's just not there mm-hmm. he's not ready he's not hasn't grasped he it. hasn't yeah. got the whole scheme yet um but then it, going a little deeper here with recruiting so i took I, I went down the list here when anderson was hired he focused on bringing in not only good coaches that would coach but he wanted all-star recruiters 
That was like his big thing. He kept Coach Brennan on staff. That was the only holdover. Who was one of the better ones for Riley yeah, Stark. I I, so I went through kind of here, and I had no stars, one-star recruiter, two-star recruiters, just to kind of you know kind of look at it here. And two-star being the best. The best. Okay. So Brennan, I consider him rock star recruiter. Dave Baldwin has proven, and I was I was skeptical when they brought him on, but he's proven to be a really solid Northern California recruiter. Got in Trajan Cotton, Isaiah Hodgins, that whole TMP um, Northern California group. TJ Woods, no star. Kevin McGiven, I gave no star. Telly, two star. The guy's a rock star. Chad, I'm going to go with one. He's, he's doing that uh, Hawaii thing. Tuiaki was a one. Big with the Polys, um, but you know not as dynamic maybe as some. And then Sataki and Coach Odom were both rock stars. Yeah. So I averaged that 12 stars. 12 stars for that group. Now, with Brendan left, has left, they've replaced him with Phillips. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt just because of his ties to Houston and, and Louisiana as a one-star, but so far we haven't seen. Okay, let's just take him out, though. Let's just be honest. Okay. We can't judge either way. He doesn't count yet, okay? Okay. Baldwin, two stars. Yep. Woods and McGiven still I, I giving mm-hmm. no stars. You still have Telly, two-star. You have Coach Chad keep his one-star. I would say Clune is a no-star right now. I would say Hall is a one Working on being a two, but a one star, and, and Coach Rushing is a zero star. So, so we went from twelve stars to seven. Yeah, and, and that's my own, like you know, <laughs> that's Angie's star ranking system based here, on what you see following. Yeah, this thing. you know, and I, I just, you know, we've seen a lot from Woods and McGiven. I haven't seen a, a lot on the recruiting trail for them. Clune. Haven't seen, you know, is that how, how normal is that to you? I know you've just specifically cover Oregon State, but kind of maybe overlooking the entire conference when you're following certain kids to see who else is fighting for them. How common is it for coordinators, both coordinators, to not be great recruiters? You know, is that common? You know, it, it that changes. blows my that, mind. Yeah, I mean, you would want those guys to be very. Um, you know, be those guys, the raw rod cheerleader guys. Well, how was like Langsdorf, for example? Langsdorf wasn't a good recruiter. Okay. How was Banker? Banker was a good recruiter. Okay. So you have one there. Um, you know, and it's hard when you look at down south, you have like this all-star cast of recruiters. I mean, he his whole staff, I'll say this um, without getting into that because we have yeah. a lot to get to. That whole staff to me is built, uh, minus maybe Jim Levitt. I think the whole staff is built on recruiting. Completely. And and that's what, what he wanted to do. He didn't have the West Coast ties, so we went and found the best. You know, you got Joe Salavea, Keith Hayward. Yeah. You, you put together Which, this Which, by the group. way, looks very odd. Yeah, him I, on the I, side I, can't, I can't stand that You should shoot him a text, but you still look weird. He still does look weird <laughs> in, in, in yellow. I, he looked weird in purple. He looks weird in yeah. Trojan red. And now he looks weird in uh, dark I can green. handle, like, the, the purple and the, you know, the yeah. gold and maroon, but... Yeah, whatever color the Ducks are wearing that week, he looks weird in. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Keith Hayward, if you're listening to this, you look weird. Well, here's, that's the thing, though, isn't it? It's like, I think Gary Anderson's a good coach. I do. Um, and I, I think it's time to really be honest on some stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just overreacted. I'm willing to admit that. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they come out and look all-world this week against Washington State. Great. Awesome. But if they get steamrolled. I'm going to think you're winning maybe just one more game of the year, and that's against one of the Arizona schools. I'm not going to assume you beat both. And beating one of them would just be a miracle. So you're close to being a one-win team on a 12, uh, 12-game season. I think you have to re- recalibrate and readjust your feelings on it, where you're not ready to fire them. I think the firing Gary Anderson thing oh, that's, is yeah, ridiculous. That's, that's stupid. First of all, that's not going to happen because they can't afford that. Where's that money coming from? Um, second of all, they just hired Scott Barnes. They wanted Barnes specifically because of the tie with Gary Anderson. And, and third, I think it's just okay to say he made some wrong decisions in personnel, and he feels like, to me, he's alluding to that with his comments. And two... He's, it's not like he's got a million years of experience here. A few years at Wisconsin, albeit successful, and one good year at Utah State. Before that, it was a rebuild. So I still like him. I still trust, and I'll, I'll wait the process out a little longer. But I think it's also okay to be honest and go, look, maybe we got a little over our skis in going, year three, this is it. Whereas, Well, maybe, that's all we heard, too. I mean, I, I know it, it comes from them directly, but maybe this is more realistically a 4 5 season type turnaround to get to where seven wins is a is is okay yeah you know what i I mean i I do i think i think coach anderson right now is completely stymied because i don't think he or anybody on staff saw this coming how clueless did he or how stumped did he feel like he looked at the press on saturday yeah he was 
so different than I'd ever seen him. He seems like a very confident guy yeah. in person. And and he is. And but you get a lot of coach speak. You know, I mean, I've you've you and I have been around this a long time. Yeah. I think we could do a, a coach presser afterward. But um, some of the questions had him pause. You know, and really kind of sit there. And you you could tell he maybe wanted to say something. But then he caught himself and went mm-hmm. back into coach speak mode. But, um, yeah, he was a little taken aback by all of it. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. As you mentioned earlier, the offensive line is where your biggest anger lies. Mm-hmm. Is there any way it changes? How does it get better? Recruiting. Okay, but right now. people. I think people love recruiting, Angie. I think right now, because of where it's at, people want to know what goes on right now. Honestly, I don't know. Because, I mean, they've thrown Delp in the mix, and he hasn't looked great. You know, Sumner Houston is one I had a big question about, and I think he's looked better than, than uh, you know, some of the, the veterans that you were expecting. You know, I expected more from Gus Lavaca. Yeah. He was a freshman All-American. and Well, Sukanics pointed this out, and this is the scary part. They've now been pushed around by a Mountain West team, a Big Sky team, and a Big Ten team. And not a not top of the, top caliber Big Ten team. Oh, no, no, no. It's more like middle-of-the-range middle. yeah. Big Ten team. So what are like the Washingtons, the Stanfords, USC. the Oregons, the USC's? Uh, hell, even go look at the stats. Arizona's the number one rushing team in the conference. They're going to run the ball all the game. Oh, everybody's going to r- run the ball on... So... I, I don't know. I, I just don't I mean, know how it got frightening, to this point. Frightening to me is looking ahead. And I know we can talk about the, the brutal schedule mm-hmm. ahead. But when you look at a team like a Washington or a USC or, hell, even Washington State, I'm they, gonna, could, they yeah. could lay 70 on this team. Yeah, I think they respect Gary Anderson too much to do that. <laughs> I think it'll stop at around 50, 55. <laughs> and then it's kind of like, all right, let's kill clock uh, routine. I'm going to the Washington game. Yeah, but they can't run the clock out because if they run, they're just going (laughs) to... I know. They'll score. They'll score. Uh, (laughs) I think they'll be okay three and outs. Uh, Going to the Washington game as a fan. I don't even go as media member anymore. Uh, I'll go as a fan. And then the following weekend, I'm going to USC with Crawford. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. You know, they haven't beat them since 64. I I know they're not going to beat the Trojans, but screw it. I want to go to LA. I love going to LA. Uh, I'll wear my giant killer hat. We'll have a good time. Drink some beer in the Coliseum. But... I mean, I don't think I think they're going to get steamrolled by Washington State. Um, I think the dogs are going to come to town, and there's going to be almost more purple than orange and black, which is a whole other conversation. And then they go to LA and they lose. And then Colorado, by the way, who runs the ball really well uh, with Lindsey, I think they're going to do what they want to do against Oregon State. I just it's tough for me because I don't want to go extreme crazy media member who spouts off hot takes. Yeah, yeah. I also can't help but feel this way based on what I've seen from their if their, their line play. If their line play was different, I'd say both sides, both sides yes. of the line. And that's you know I I do these ask the experts each week with the Scout twenty four seven site that covers the opponent, and it's interesting because I even into last week the Minnesota I. You know, every everything in me kind of was like, oh, yeah, if the same team that came, but I'm, I still feel that there, that there's a better team in there. So I picked the Beavs one more time. I'm like, I'm giving them one more week. Wait, you're picking them this week? No, I'm not this week. No, this oh. was Minnesota. I picked. Oh, them, but oh, 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 I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. look at the next. I can't look at the next few games and honestly think. I think this week I picked 52 to 21. Mm-hmm. That's what I went with. Yeah, I have a rule. I, I'm a degenerate. Um, not like a bad one yet. You may get to that point, but uh, I like to bet on football. I don't bet against my teams. Minnesota plus two, I gave five people. I said, go bet a hundo right now, and I gave them a website that I use. They went and did it. It's the easiest money they ever made. Like, I don't know what Vegas has seen in Oregon State. And by the way, I think they're totally misreading this week. 21-point underdogs right now, right? It's 21.5 to 22, depending on your book. It only opened at 14 or 16. Either way, I, I three-score game. Yeah, I think Washington State's more than likely going to win that game by 25 points. Yeah. Vegas can't get a fill for Oregon State. Um, I think they're all like me. They're like waiting to see the team that they but think here's could be the thing. there. Let, let's get into that then. What team? Our whole feelings on this are based on them finishing their last two games the way they did. Is it not? Yeah, and, and then if they lose, practice. If they lose to Arizona and Oregon, what does the expectation change to for most people? What's the feeling of the program going into year three versus where it is now? Just your thought. Oh, the, yeah, they, the expectations would not be a bowl game. Would you say like season. four or five wins? Probably, three, four. Oh, I mean, seriously, Arizona and Oregon, though, their defenses last year were so horrendous. Oregon was third to last in the nation. nation. Bad. And Arizona was probably bottom 30. So, I mean... But most people don't look at that. They would have just looked at losses and been like, okay, well. I know, but my co-host pointed that out, and he had a good point, because I sat there and I go, well, yeah, I mean, if they would have lost those and finished with two wins, I 
I wouldn't have gone in the year thinking bowl, bowl team. Game, no, I would have said, well, we'll see. But but the, but get the four coaches, wins. the coaches talked them up, talked them up. I mean, we saw practice, we saw you know fall camp, spring camp. Um, you know, they couldn't have been more wrong though. No, that's the that's the frustrating part. And and I know we got it from Clune and, and Anderson last weekend, and you know I may have said this on the pod, but the whole. This is the week it this turns around. Week. We're closer to turn around than people think. He's like, no, you're not. You're yeah. you're not close. And it felt like Pettibone era. I tweeted that out. Pettibone era, point blank. Like, that is how bad it felt. It, they couldn't be competitive. They quit. Yeah, but Pettibone teams, they didn't quit. See, somebody tweeted me and was like, uh, kept saying, well, I don't know if they quit quite as bad as a Pettibone team, but... You would know that more than I would. You were there. I'm old. <laughs> I didn't. No, I did not say that. That's. Come on, you're not old. You were just there. I was a student. I wasn't there. I don't know if I remember all those games. <laughs> that was back in the days that you could stop at the Et, yeah. pick up your your drink, and yep. put stuff in it, yeah. and nobody cared. And have a good time. And you would have a great time. Yeah. Well. You got 50 yard line seats just for showing up. Well, um, I. What do? You, how bad do you think the attendance is going to be for the Washington game? It's going to be a lot of purple. I think so, too. I think Beaver fans are going to sell their tickets. Yeah, I will completely. I think it's going to look a little Boise State-ish. That Boise State game on the alumni side, there was more blue than I thought there would be. And I was like, yeah. okay, they sold their tickets. And you know what? I can't blame you. You spend season tickets. You want to make some money? Go ahead. But he thinks it's it's bad now. They get just destroyed by Washington State. You wait, because that game is going to be poorly attended. And there's going to be a lot of dog barking going on. And that Husky team, by the way. is good. They're good. They uh, this is their that's going to be their conference opener if I'm I'm not mistaken or no their second conference second. game, and they're a team that wants to get back to the playoff. They're not coming in there and taking you for granted. They're coming in there with uh, let's bury these guys as soon as we possibly can. Yeah, Chris Peterson too, great coach, yeah, fantastic coach. Um, so. Talk about a, a guy that got that team totally buttoned up, dialed in. I mean, are you surprised though? I th- I no. thought that was such a a home run grand slam hire for them because he's like. He, a little bit like Coach Riley, in in that nice guy persona, but yet way more. Um, his recruiting was is better. Yeah, you know, just he feels like a combo of, of really good coaches. Yeah, the yeah. Rileys, uh, maybe even Chip, offensively the way he's calling plays, and and then the recruiting aspect. Whoever you want to throw in there, in that and that and and then Gary Anderson. I mean, I think you'd put that. Gary has that um, confidence about him. You know, when you when you hear him at a press con, he didn't this past week, but. Um, there's that confidence that I think you take away. A calm confidence. A calm confidence. Yeah. Um, what's the kid in Crescent Valley's name? We got Gina's going to call us here in just a minute. What's the kid at Crescent Valley's name? Uh, uh, Talanoa Hufunga. Tala. Okay. I'm not going to try to repeat it. I'll just leave it there. I was talking with um, Justin Hopkins, who does his own website, mm-hmm. and it's recruiting and covers the Ducks. And I brought that kid up because he said that kid's going on a visit in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. He, he said that Oregon... And Nebraska are the favorites in his mind. And I, I jokingly said, you stay away from him. Gary Anderson needs him bad. And he laughed and he, he goes, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I can't give you a hundred percent feel, but the, the feeling I am getting is the losing situation is not helping that. Yeah, that uh, doesn't help. At all. I personally, I don't have Oregon in the, in the mix. You don't have Oregon. I in don't. The mix. I, okay. I think USC, I think Nebraska is somewhat in the mix, and Oregon State's still there, but the losing is not helping. Who them do you at all. think is leading? Is it still issue? I would say SC. God, that's, that's just my my gut there. And that's their big that's their big five star, right? It's I mean, big that's... five star SC. Um, and I you know I talked to someone close to close to that whole situation, and you know the the talk is you know yeah you could go to Nebraska or an SC, and you'll be one of many five stars. You come to Oregon State, it's your hometown team, and you're an instant legend when you walk on campus. Unless you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, like, how are you five stars? Yeah. But no, I, yeah, I mean, that's the recruiting pitch. Um, but do you want to stay in town? Yeah. I mean, that's or do you want to go to LA and the, to Nebraska yeah. and, and Lincoln? Lincoln's a cool city. You know, and his brother, TJ, mm-hmm. played for Riley yeah. back, you know, back in the day. So, uh, where are they at right now? In recruiting, I know Minnesota was a weekend where they you had know, recruits. They had recruits. It was a, a good weekend for them. Um, you know, the three-star tight end Isaiah Smalls was in town, and I know a lot of people have been worried about him. He's out of L.A. Dorsey. He loved it. He loved everything about Oregon State. He's solid. He's one of their good recruiters Despite right now. Despite the you know, loss you know and everything, these huh? guys lose, right? They yeah. aren't losing all the time. Uh, you know, it's fan support. It's the community. It's it's the whole picture for them. They want to. And that was okay everything. for him. He walked away. We we just ran his his visit report. He said he loved 
the players and that you know that's what they want they want to be hanging out with their teammates and what that's like and that for me that was big to see because he is very vocal on social media is tied in you know he's la dorsey so big big time recruits around him he's already recruiting other four star guys to come visit nico hall out of calabasas is actually going to visit uh, i believe for the washington game four star safety linebacker so um, he loved it. Um, Andy Cook, you know, you talk about D-line, he's a big defensive end, and Coach Chad is very excited about him. So he's committed. Um, and then they brought in a couple guys, too. Um, Jake Ducart was in town. He's the Laco unofficial visit. But um, Isaiah Tufaga. No, I was going to – it's Isaiah Tufaga, not Hufanga. Okay. Uh, from Honolulu was in town, linebacker three-star kid loved his visit hasn't committed has some other trips planned but they did pick up a commitment from anthony spurlock a three-star wide receiver out of uh new orleans edna carr kid is fast and you know he's i I think i saw you guys tweet that out yeah i saw some video if if you watch his film you first you're watching it but a you're it's new orleans some good talent down there um but the kid is a long strider he's like six one six two but has long legs long strides and can beat anybody you know you send him on a go route and uh He's going to blast by some people. That's great. Uh, where are they at right now? I know they're trying to get commits. Where do they Where do they stack up? Like, where are they ranking in the country? If, if you're looking at, yeah, country, I, I haven't looked at that recently. They're not. Where are they in the conference? They're 11, 12. God. Yeah. Who's below us if there is? I haven't looked recently, but, um, you know, maybe Washington State, maybe. So there's a long way to go. I mean, they have, yeah. what, seven commits right now. Yeah, but the early signing is coming up. Um, early signing is coming, and uh, you know they have to hit the JUCOs hard for D line. Well, and that's you know Craig Evans. I do you feel like we're seeing him because the academic stuff will start here in what two weeks? Yeah, you know I don't know. Every time I say I don't think we see him, then something oh, happens, and yeah. you know then we hear maybe there's a glimmer. I've seen him on campus. He's he's trying. Yeah, people have seen. I, I tried to tell you guys this a couple of weeks ago. Like he may come back, but I just don't think I don't think the coaching staff in their minds is like betting it all on him being there or not. I think they're fully prepared to play a season without and, him. And that's that's a complete Gary Anderson guy. You know, Gary has some of his guys, and that was one of – Gary recruited him. That was – you know, he had a relationship with him from back when he recruited him at Wisconsin, and uh, this is kind of his, his baby right now. Who's the better recruiter, Riley or Anderson? Anderson. Really? Oh, completely. Oh. Anderson's a closer. Riley was – Oh, go home and sleep on it. Oh, you want to commit? That's awesome. Okay. But go home and sleep on it. And so he's generally a good guy, but he would not. He that's not when you want to be the the best guy. No, yeah, like, I mean hey, you need to close. I mean you got to do you, this in, in yeah. sales, right? You yeah, know, I, I did sales Always for be a closing. while, <laughs> and closing's a hard job, right? Yes, it is. You know, I I I was a great salesman in the fact that I could build relationships and I could, you know talk about the product but closing's hard yeah to actually look somebody in the eye you're telling them to give you money yeah, or yeah. to to trust you yeah. long term in something yeah. like choose the right program so um yeah. gary is the closer and i mean i would take him over riley in the living room to close a kid um i mean and then you had riley kind of getting squirrely on a few guys you know like oh you're a walk-on candidate for example oh you're a great kid we'll just offer you a scholarship uh, yeah. and you're like <laughs> as a recruiting as someone covering recruiting i'm like wait wait what yeah texting the kid as a walk-on no as a scholarship player and you're like oh okay awesome do you want to do any questions I think we can do some questions we, we can do a couple questions because i think gina's again i think gina mizell is going to be calling here pretty soon but, okay here's uh, some here's some fun ones on on blitz um matt chifoni says this is choose anyone you desire okay um okay so what is a more idiotic vague pointless coach speak saying do something respect the process or row the boat Oh, it's row the boat. <laughs> row the boat's the douche. Like, he is the biggest douchebag I have ever seen. He, that guy. Did you see what? He, this dude at the end of what was it? The third quarter or the or the first quarter? One of these quarters, he lines his kids up because they're going to the other side of the field. He lines them up, makes them stop, and then he sprints Prince. down with them. Yeah, dude, you're a douche. You got your little tie on with your shirt with a sweater over. It's like. God, who do you think you are? He wants to be 21 again. Oh, come on. Okay. Row the boat's the dumbest the one. Boat, like, yeah. do something is not great. Uh, and it looks really dumb on your stadium. Yeah, it does. But at least you're doing something. Yeah, and I like the premise because you can't win the day. You're rowing the freaking boat. You're a gopher. <laughs> it's the dumbest one. I hate that one. Respect the process. I always respect the yeah, process. Respect the process. Although Beaver Blitz this this week, we said that maybe the process is broken. Yeah, the process is not going well right now. <laughs> okay. Um, 
is Gary Anderson working with the defense more a sign that Clune may not be safe or just Anderson trying to help? Both. Um, again, I don't know if he'll fire him after if they get if they get destroyed, but um, yeah, I would not take that as a great sign. If I'm Kevin Clune, I think most people don't you know if a firing or replacing is coming. Like I know I've had that happen a couple times in my life. You can just read it, and Clune, I think, is smart enough guy to understand. Yeah, my boss is watching me, me now, and then telling me and to change meetings. something. Yeah, yeah, and in meetings, I need to turn this around now, or I'm not lasting. Yeah. I'd imagine if he owns a home, it might be going up for sale just out of caution. Uh, we're um, going to live in a nice townhouse. JT Beaver on Blitz. And JT, if you're listening, I love all that you're bringing. And, and people have been saying he's negative, but he brings up some really, really good points. So he well, has, a lot of us are negative. Yeah. It's just about how you interpret the negativity. Is it realistic and he's, warranted? He is a full-on Beaver believer. I know that about JT because I've known him for many years. What was Just what happened to cause such a backward slide in every area of the program? I know we've read about the McMarion situation possibly being a major reason but what other issues are causing the major collapse in every phase of the program and i think we talked about it. we don't know there's something though definitely going on i there. mean i think this is a long-term effect of recruiting um well not long-term three years but I, I think that is playing a part right now i think one is i think if we're honest we maybe got way too excited based on a four-win season and the third is maybe the guys that you have that are leading aren't really good leaders when Jordan Villeman says kids quit, that's that's a terrible sign. But my, you know, if I was, you know, asking Jordan Villeman is, okay, you're a senior leader. Why aren't you doing something to make sure they don't quit? I don't know. Maybe he's becoming apathetic to it. Just like, all right, well, do what you want to do. He, at the in the press conference on Saturday night, he looked like he was either ready to punch someone or cry. Villeman did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I like that passion, but. So Chad Morrow on, on Twitter says, I can the coaches still use the, quote, come here and play early recruiting tactic into year three and have it be effective? Hell yes. I mean, at this point, yeah. <laughs> I would take a high school senior right now and put him like, on the field. Yeah, it'd be like, um, hello, did you watch that game? <laughs> um, why haven't we seen, uh, this is from Sam Edwards, why haven't we seen much or any pistol formation? Seems like it would be a better ma- match for Nall's downhill running style than the shotgun. You know, that's been a question on Blitz we've talked about, either under center or pistol. I don't know. I don't think they're going to change their scheme. I think they have their scheme, and and they're going to keep that one. Um, Somebody else asked a good question a few weeks back. It wasn't even a damn question, but they... They said, am I crazy, or do you think the, the Georgia Tech triple op- option offense may work with those the players they have? And maybe we talked about yeah. it in the last podcast, so sorry, but and I've thought about that a little bit of just, maybe you bust that out once in a while. I'd be willing to try it at I'd, this point. I'd be willing to, you know, I mean, at the beginning of the season, we talked on the podcast, too, about just the strength of this team is the depth at running back. Get, and we've seen it in practice. We've seen two back sets, but we're not seeing it in games. Get the ball in those guys' hands. Yeah. You know, get get both from back there so they don't know. I mean, frankly, right now that's that's going to be a, a better weapon, I think, than trying to pass downfield. This one's from Spencer on Twitter. My question is how we were all so far off on our assessment of this team preseason. We bought the we bought the hype. Yep. I mean, it's and the point coaches blank. were selling it, and yep. I think the coaches believed it. So um, that's. Yeah, we fell into the trap. The trap. It's a trap. Uh, that's what happened to us, um, to answer your question. We could pinpoint different things, and I'm sure, hey, maybe we hear it on social media after the podcast, but people will all have their differing thoughts of how it got to this point. Maybe you don't agree with my thought on the recruits. Maybe you don't agree with Angie's on the coaching, or you think it's this or that. That's fine. I mean, I think we all have our own interpretations of what's going on right now, and you're trying to explain something you don't understand. But uh, they got Washington State this week. And they're two. They lost Dwayne Williams for the year, and Xavier Crawford is out. Um, Isaiah Dunn better be ready. And Jay Irvine. A couple young guys. They can do it. I mean, look at at David Morris. David Morris has been the best part of their season. I mean, it's in the water. Yeah. Sherwood. It's where all the good ballers are. I'm not going to let you use this podcast (laughs) to plug your high school. When my high school is sitting there not being very good. Shout out to Park Rose. But, um, all right. Any more? Are we done? No, I think we're good. We have a good question that we'll bring up. It's it's too involved, but it'll be a good one for next week. Okay, hold that one. Try to remember that one. Yep. And uh, we'll do that next week. And I want to do a quick um, thank you because I I told Brandon when Uh, I was down at the game. Gina's calling, but go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I was down at the uh, football game and I heard from 
four or five of you guys that came up to me before the game just to say, hey, you really enjoy the podcast. So, Brandon, we're getting people. They like the podcast. Awesome. So thank you so much. Um, that really meant a lot. And it was also really good to meet you guys, put a face with a name, and and uh, say hi. It does mean a lot. Um, thank you. If, I'm, if you see me at a game, I'll be at the Washington game. Don't be afraid to come up and say hi. Um, he likes beer, too. I'll probably be half drunk, admittedly, but uh, still stop by, say hi. Uh, Angie and I really enjoy doing this, so thank you so much for listening. All right, uh, let me get this phone call real quick. All right, now we're really excited to bring on the Oregonians, Gina Mizell, host of her own podcast as well for Oregon State with Danny Moran, Beaver Banner Podcast, OregonLive.com, on Twitter, at Gina Mizell. Uh, how you doing, Gina? Thanks for joining us. I am doing great. It's another uh, busy week in, in the football world. And, yeah, no, ready for Pac-12 play. And, and it should be a, an interesting weekend up in Pullman, to say the least. Well, and there's a lot to look forward to or just wonder about, I think, with Oregon State, both DBs out against a passing team in this one. Um, I just kind of want to get your general thought on the expectation of fans and maybe even the team versus uh, where they're at right now as a program. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, pretty shocking, to be honest with you, just given the uh, – I'll put myself in the in the camp of uh, I thought we would see a lot more progress early on in this season as well. So I sort of feel like I was drinking the Kool-Aid, and I got duped as well, along with some other people, uh, both inside and outside the program. So, no, this has gone um, about as bad as it could have, at least to this point of the season. I guess it could have been worse if Oregon State had lost to Portland State, but um, Portland State kind of did everything they could to, to lose that game there at the end and with their kicking game and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, no, I understand why fans are frustrated. I understand why players and coaches are frustrated. This team has struggled in really all phases of the game, offensively, defensively, and had some special teams miscues as well. So, no, it's been uh, it's pretty been pretty shocking. And now they enter this gauntlet of the start of Pac-12 play where you've got this game in Pullman this week and then you've got Washington, USC, Colorado, and Stanford. So it's going to be pretty tough, but we'll see if this Oregon State team is able to respond now that the, the page is kind of turned over to a Pac-12 play. So, Gina, it actually, we're going to let you jump in here to a damn question because it just kind of tied in nicely. So Bill Matthews on Twitter says, how do you think Gary Anderson explains being so wrong about this team? And, you know, what did he see maybe in spring and fall that led him to feel so confident and have him still saying that things could flip? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's just been a situation where I think we all sort of bought into the, the progress that had been made um, at the end of last season with finishing the year with two consecutive victories, which now you kind of look back on that and you say, okay, yes, that was two straight wins, but Arizona Against some pretty bad were both, uh, bad defenses. Yeah, they were both yeah. pretty, mm-hmm. pretty point. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think just um, – you know, I think when you look at the offensive side of the ball, obviously they made a concerted effort to throw the ball more downfield. And, yeah, maybe some of the passing numbers are a little bit up compared to last year, but now the running game has disappeared. So you didn't want to replace one with the other. You wanted one to complement the other. So I know a lot of fans are up in arms about Ryan Nall only getting seven carries and this running game just really not being able to get going. And then on the defensive side, again, this team did have some work to do with trying to rush the pass. And, and to stop the run, those were definitely two areas of concern, and that's still been an issue. Uh, this team still has not recorded a sack this year and has allowed a lot of rushing yards to, to every team they've played so far, but the secondary also hasn't played up to par after losing uh, Tristan Dekud and Devin Chappelle from last year. So, um, yeah, it's just been – it's interesting. No, I think everybody kind of misjudged this. And you talk to coaches in practice or after practice, and you talk to players, and, and again, we can only watch about 20 minutes, so we don't see everything everything but um, you know they're saying that guys are, are doing pretty well in practice that the energy level is, is fairly high and that they're just not uh, not able to get it done on Saturdays and particularly not able to get it done the second half which has been a really interesting nugget so far so again we'll, we'll see if they're able to make some corrections during Pac-12 play but but right now it's a team that's struggling pretty much in all phases right now well Gina a lot on on our podcast because we you know we just always like talking about where Oregon State and the program is at is some of it is just uh, theorizing you know ideas of the coaches and maybe what Gary Anderson is thinking about the program and, and where they're going to be at going forward but I thought you had a pretty eye-opening quote that you tweeted from his post-game presser um, or maybe in the Monday press I can't remember at this point but uh, you had a tweet something to the effect where Gary Anderson says it's on the coaches and the coaches are on me because I'm, I'm the one that hired them and 
I'm just curious if you think I'm reading too much into that quote, um, because I think I quote tweeted it with something of the effect of this puts them on the scorching hot seat based on just how you read that. Um, am I reading too much in, or do you think at this point, given how poor they looked in all three of their games despite a win, that maybe something we didn't expect to happen could possibly happen with the coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, I think that remains to be seen. Obviously, uh, you know, no one got shown the door this week or anything like that. So it's not, it wasn't the worst case scenario that possibly could have happened after that game. But I think more than anything, it's just that whenever this team loses or doesn't perform well, Gary Anderson first puts it all back on him and says, it's not on the kids, it's on me. So I think putting it on the rest of the coaching staff, first and foremost, is kind of just an extension of that. But but certainly, um, it, you know, he, he is clearly putting public pressure on these coaches to figure it out, too. So I don't think that's a stretch to say um, that, you know, they're trying collectively as a staff. And I've sort of actually asked about that during practice this week. I've asked some assistants just, does anything feel different? How much pressure do you feel? And, for instance, Kevin Kloon, the defensive coordinator, said, well, I feel pressure every week. And, and, you know, Gary Anderson, um, you know, he's he's always a guy that I'm bouncing ideas off of. And he's in those defensive meetings, even though he's no longer the defensive line coach. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, again, is someone going to get fired in the middle of the season? Well, stranger things have happened. And we've already seen a couple assistant coach firings across college football. So never say never. But then another, I think, important element to remember with this, too, is that these are guys that have all been with Gary Anderson for a long time. When you look at guys like Kevin Clune, he even mentioned today that he's known Gary since the 90s. So that's, again, a guy that's been connected to him for several years. Kevin McGiven is the same way, worked for him at Utah State. Um, you know, guys like TJ Woods and Chad Kay have been with him at Wisconsin and Utah State. So, um, again, sometimes coaches, head coaches have to make tough decisions, but these are these are guys that Gary Anderson basically handpicked to be with him. So um, again, I, I don't know if anything drastic is going to happen. At least at this point in the season, nothing nothing is uh, you know gone wrong. But there's still a lot of football to be played. So I think just more than anything, there's definitely now some public pressure on these coaches to figure it out. And if they don't, then again, never say never. I've, it's college football, and crazy things always seem to happen. So Gina, I know you're down there every single day, and the past few weeks, um, our writer Amy Schwartz has said that. The vibe in practice has been maybe a little down every so often. This week, she said, though, things are looking, you know, the guys seem to be a little more upbeat. Have you noticed the same thing? Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, It's interesting just because – Again, sometimes it's tough to gauge exactly what the mood of practice is like because we only see so little of it. But, um, you know, again, that's something that coaches have talked about, that the they haven't been displeased with the effort in practice. or It's not like one of those things because Gary Anderson's pretty candid about stuff. And if, if a team is not, you know, up to, up to his standards, he's not afraid to say something. But that hasn't been a common theme throughout the season. Like, oh, God, these guys aren't practicing hard enough or not sharp enough and, and that sort of thing. But one thing that Kevin McGiven did mention yesterday is, that uh, during during 11 on 11 stuff that the coaches need to stop letting fundamental errors slide because generally when you're in that portion of practice, you're kind of working on scheme, you're working on the specific game plan and what you're going to run against that opponent for the upcoming week. But if someone's sloppy in a certain way or just doesn't doesn't do something correctly, like you can't just be like, oh, you know, they're, they're you know, kind of going through it half-heartedly. Like we need to focus on that because McGiven mentioned uh, that just the difference between schematic errors and, and physical errors is what he called. If a guy drops a pass or whips on a pass block or, or something like that, that those are the things that are popping up in games and are popping up on film and that they just can't have that anymore. So whether that is a, is a renewed focus, whether that's a, um, you know, just a different type of energy level, I'm not sure, or if that's just being sharper, but that was definitely at least something on the offensive end that they were that they were noting this week during practice. Well, going into Wazoo, uh, Gina, they got 101 passes, 87 runs, and, and I know a lot of that is, look, they're behind, they're trying to come back late, uh, et cetera. Have you been surprised by the way their offenses looked this season three games in? Because we had the, the ground assault comment, and uh, you had Gary Anderson saying 60-40, but it feels like they uh, they've been more than willing to pass this season. Have you been surprised their willingness uh, in that in that regard? 
Yeah, I have been actually, and, and that's something that uh, that Danny wrote about this past. Uh, he wrote about yesterday and was in the the paper today, just about how this team has gone away from its rushing attack, which we thought this running back group was going to be the strength of the team this year. And I did have questions, obviously, about the offensive line going into the season, and I think that has been one source of the troubles uh, running the football. But uh, you you look at some of these games, and and they're passing on first down in a lot of situations, and and Jake Luton's been pretty inconsistent. And again, I know that they want to throw the ball better down the field, but they didn't want to get away from the run game either. So, uh, it, yeah, that, that's been really, really interesting. And again, Ryan Nall only got seven touches in that game against Minnesota. I believe Artavis Pierce, who actually started the game because they were trying to establish more of a perimeter run game. Um, he only got eight carries, I believe. So, but, but when you only run 18 plays in the whole second half for 35 yards, then you're not going to get as many carries and you're playing from behind. And so that plays into it as well. So, yeah, they definitely have not gotten anywhere close to that 60-40 uh, percentage. Maybe against Portland State is when they were the closest, but that was a game they obviously won. So I do think there are a lot of factors playing from behind being one of them and trying to establish that also that vertical passing game a little bit better. But they have seem to have been getting getting away from their bread and butter a little bit. And, and uh, you know, I know they're trying to keep Ryan Null healthy. I know they're trying to keep his workload as manageable as possible, and they're going to rotate those guys in there as far as the rest of the running backs. But so far, it, uh, it hasn't been the bread and butter of the offense that I think a lot of us expected, particularly after it was so successful last season. During fall camp, I know you spoke with the D-linemen, I spoke to the D-linemen, they all came out and said that this year, pass defense was going to be a lot better. It's not. So, uh, you know, what are you contributing that to? Uh, which position group? Sorry. D-line. Defensive line. Which one? Defensive line. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. And no, that's a that's a great question. Um, I think you start with uh, you know some of those junior college guys that that have come in even last season. Uh, someone like uh, you know Pisces Vea, I know, has gotten pretty good reviews so far as, as a starting defensive end. But I, I mean, I remember guys like Philip Napoleon. When I first talked to Chad Kay about him, he said that he was going to start from day one, and that obviously has not transpired. Um, you know, just from what we've seen from him so far in, in a season and a couple of games. And then, you know, Elu Aiden, of course, uh, it's, it's pretty well documented that he came in fairly out of shape and had to uh, do some extra conditioning work um, outside of, you know, before practice, before getting into the normal flow of practice. And then Titus Valegua has been hurt, and there's just kind of been a multitude of, of issues. But obviously, again, this is a group that does not have a sack yet. <laughs> Their goal was to get to 30, so that, uh, that did not go well. And then, uh, you know, they still struggled to stop the run. So again, I think it's been you know a combination of a lot of things, and of course the the uh, mystery man Craig Evans, the fact that he hasn't been there yet uh, has been a has been a big thing as well, and we'll see if he's able to become academically eligible once the fall term begins here in, in a few days. But um, I don't think you can necessarily count on him at this point. It's, it's sort of like the Kyle Pecko situation. It's like, I'll believe it when I actually see him on the field. So, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's been a lot of stuff, and, and that's a position group that just really hasn't developed. And, Angie, you might even be able to speak to this more more than I could, but I don't know if that's recruiting misses. I don't know if that's guys It's not – developing. Um, Danny and I were talking about this earlier today, just about how not just that defensive line, but at several position groups where you know, guys that you thought would come in and contribute uh, maybe haven't developed in the way that we expected. And there are certainly exceptions to that. Uh, you know, David Boris and Isaiah Hodgins, I think, are the, the perfect examples of guys that have been ready to go right away as true freshmen. But there are other examples of guys who just have, uh, you know, not developed or have not been ready to play, I think, when this coaching staff maybe expected them to come in and help right away. Yeah, Morris has been a stud. He leads the conference in tackles. Go Sherwood. Um, yeah. yeah, well, you get 17 in one game, yeah. and there you go. <laughs> that helps a lot. Um, look, I think you you have an interesting time right now as a, as a beat writer because you've seen kind of a different mix of emotion with the program, right? You get here, they're not very good. Uh, you get the turnaround. You see last year where they win their last two and people feel good the way they ended their season. Where are where are readers at just in comments when you interact with them, whether that's social media, you, you stop and you talk to a couple of them at a game. Where do you think fans are at right now? We talked about this earlier of apathetic uh, excitement and anger. Uh, where would you where would you circle them right now? Uh, people are angry. That's what I would say. <laughs> 
it's so amazing how quickly a fan base, and it's not just the Oregon State fan base, I'm talking about any fan base here, that how quickly things can turn where things are great and then things are terrible and everyone's great and then everyone should be fired. But really the Colorado State game is sort of where I started to notice that, again, I think people were pretty uh, shell-shocked by the result of that game initially. And then Portland State happens and then last week happens. And it's it's just yeah people are people are calling for every coordinator to be fired. Some people are calling for Gary Anderson to be fired, and and obviously I think that's a, a little extreme at least at this point in the season. But like I said, I understand the frustration. I was in the same boat of thinking that this team would make uh, significant progress again this year. I picked them to go to a bowl game. I picked them to go six and six and to kind of take that next step. And that's obviously nowhere near happening at least at this point. So uh, yeah, most people and again it's tough to tough to judge the entire fan base uh, based on Twitter and our, our comment section on Oregon Live, which is not always the most fun place to venture into. Um, those can be kind of on the extreme side, but um, I don't really see anybody that's happy right now in my mentions or in our comment section. So it's uh, it's not a happy time to be an Oregon State fan, apparently. So um, I'm sure you guys are getting some of the same type of same type of feedback, but people are, are not thrilled right now, to say the least. Can I, uh, can I pay you a compliment before I ask you um, uh, one more question? Can I just pay you the compliment of a couple times with you on the pod, you've said some things that normally, I think if I said it or Angie said it or anybody else said it, it would sound like a very bad thing. But the way you say an answer, you're in such like a happy mood. You don't allow bad play or the play of some individual to like change the way you talk about something. I, I quite admire that. I'm not kidding. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, I think it helps that I'm not an Oregon State alum. This is not my school. Um, and and I, I just, it's my job to cover the team, and it's my job to, when they're playing well, to explain why they're playing well, and when they're playing poorly, to explain why they're playing poorly. Yeah. So we can all commiserate because... As most people know, I'm an Arizona State alum. So, what's that game going to look like in November? Is that going to be two like one and nine teams going against each other? That's that's what I'm that's what I'm wondering about going into a Pac-12 play. So, but no, I appreciate that. It's you kind of just gotta to use a coaching cliche like stay the course. Yeah. Well, covering uh, this team and trying to figure out what's going wrong and why it's going wrong and, and let let people uh, you know help you tell stories. I think the Arizona State game leads me to uh, to ask this question then. Um, the next five games, you mentioned them earlier, of Washington State, Washington, USC, Colorado, and Stanford. If you're if you're if you're if your gut what's your gut saying in terms of how they're gonna fare in this based on what we've seen? I mean, do you see them beating any, like, Power 5 team the way they've played the no. last uh, three games? I mean, I don't either. So, again, this is college football, and things can change quickly, and things can get kind of wacky. But um, that's – I just – I don't see them beating any of those teams. When I looked at the schedule before the season, I even thought that was a tough stretch. And you think maybe maybe they can get that Colorado game at home, depending on how they look after losing so many players. But they still look pretty good. And, and I even wondered, even before – all this stuff happened in the first three games that you get through that stretch and even though November is a little bit more manageable it's like are you so physically emotionally mentally drained by that point how can you get through those last few games so um yeah no it again it doesn't look good and I hate to be like a Debbie Downer but I feel like a lot of people are fairly realistic about this team but I think that's going to be a really tough stretch unless this team makes a lot of dramatic improvements very very quickly all right one more for you um because I think we've covered most of the ground and like I said you you can catch Gina OregonLive.com, uh, her podcast with Danny Moran as well, and on Twitter at Gina Mizell. Uh, you're an ASU alum. You said that. You, you kind of root for uh, the old Sun Devils to do well. Do you want Chip Kelly and Tempe? <laughs> I've heard that. That's crazy. Um, that would be quite an interesting situation but I, again I did not cover Chip. Chip was already gone by the time I got to the Oregonian so I only know from stories that I've heard from other people but I mean I guess all, all I've heard is that he didn't really like the, the college setting as far as recruiting and boosters and mm-hmm. kind of all the extra stuff you got to do in college. He liked to write checks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's obviously struggling to get an NFL job though too so uh, yeah I I mean that would be fascinating. That I, I would be I would definitely sign up 
up for that just to see what would happen because, again, everyone talks about Arizona State as like this, quote, sleeping giant, and it's been a sleeping giant for my entire life. So I'll believe it when I see it, uh, save for like the one Rose Bowl year in, in 96 when I was eight years old. So that was a long time ago. The Jake um, Palmer but, year, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, he was like my first like favorite athlete. Jake him and the Charles snake. Barkley. Yep. Yes, he was. He was a baller. Yeah. Um, but I thought you were going to yeah, say he was no, your so... first crush. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. No, it's uh, it, no, I mean, like I said, I signed me up for that just for like the entertainment value and to see if that would work. And again, I know there are a lot of angry people in Phoenix right now. So like on my Twitter and on my social media, whether it's people work related or like in my personal life that I went to high school and college with like everyone seems to be mad right now so maybe that's why i'm trying to still be happy about all kinds of things going on because otherwise i just feed into that negativity which um i don't like to do generally so we'll see but yeah chip kelly that would be that would be a fascinating development if that were to happen in tempe well keep it up uh, i know everybody appreciates a good attitude and uh thank you so much for joining us you can uh, catch gina's work at organlive.com on twitter at gina mizell doing a fantastic job on the beat for uh organ live and the oregonian um thank you so much it's good to have both worlds collide i know you and dandy do a good job on the podcast so it's good to get you on ours and get some perspective and we'll see how this thing's gonna shake out because i think you're right everybody's angry so we'll uh, uh, we'll find out what's going to happen in the next uh, handful of weeks. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys having me on. There we go. Good stuff. Gina Mizell, OregonLive.com, at Gina Mizell on Twitter. All right. We'll be back next week with another edition of the damn podcast and see how Oregon State does uh, against the Cougars. We'll talk next week on the damn podcast.